Welcome to this B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the editor at B2B Marketing. And I'm joined today by Kyle Flaherty, who's Vice President Marketing at Cyber Reason. So Kyle, thanks, uh, thanks very much for joining me today. Before we begin, can you please just tell us a little bit about who Cyber Reason are and what your role is? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, David. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Cyber Reason is a leading cybersecurity company um, defending the endpoints and really championing the, the defenders that are out there. I mean, we all read ransomware every day, right? Um, it's all out there. So these people need help and we're there to help them. Uh, and that's what we focus on at Cyber Reason. And I've been in cybersecurity marketing since about 1997. So I've seen this uh, industry kind of grow uh, immensely as well as our own B2B marketing industry kind of shift radically uh, since the late 90s. And I'm sure we'll be getting into a lot of those topics as we have this discussion. Yeah, sounds good. And not to age you, but in 1997, I was only three. <laughs> So oh, come on, really? That's how we're going to, that's how we're going to start this? <laughs> start as we mean to go on. That's how Brilliant. I, that's I say. <laughs> but um, okay, but on, on, you know, seriously for a minute, of course, you know, we're here today to discuss, you know, the future of marketing and revenue performance yeah. and specifically what the board are going to care about in 2022 and beyond. So just to kick things off, uh, you know, talking about the now, the current state of things, what does your board care about in terms of marketing's contribution to your organization's success and growth? What particular KPIs are they interested in? Yeah, it's a great question. And let's be honest, it shifts, right? Depending on what the goal of the company is. And I've been in a lots of different, you know, layers of companies and, and growth patterns. And right now, Cyber Reason is in a hyper growth mode, right? So we are really focused on growth, mainly because our industry, right? I mean, as we talked about before, the security industry is somewhere where everyone needs help right now. And so for our board, you know, they love to look at things, you know, from a marketing perspective of, of course, what's the contribution to revenue that's, you know, it starts there and it should, but then, you know, they layer on some more, um, you know, kind of leading and trailing indicators that, that this is working. So some of those, you know, and we've really honed this too, is, you know, what's the contribution of qualified pipeline? Where is marketing influencing as well as sourcing that qualified pipe. And that comes in a variety of different flavors, right? So we're looking at our inbound model, we're looking at our outbound model, we're looking at our BDR productivity, our business development reps, um, all those different types of things. And so from a revenue perspective, you know, I think it's pretty classic of the, the way that you should look at what's going on. I think where what's been interesting, at least for me in the last few years in B2B, is the brand side of it is what, you know, where are we influenced from an awareness perspective? Because in B2B, brand has meant something completely different, at least for the first two decades of my career while you were going to school. You know, we were sitting there and focusing on just lead gen, demand gen, all those things. The big shift for the board and for marketing in B2B has, all right, how do we actually take what we've seen and learned from classic B2C brands and implement that to provide that awareness, which then influences the KPIs that I just talked about. So that's where we all have a set of KPIs that we're looking at, obviously branded search impressions, direct website traffic, our brands, you know, in terms of, um, you know, brand surveys and making sure we're doing pulse points and we're making, you know, we're seeing whether all the stuff we're doing from a brand perspective is actually working and influencing that revenue model. 
Okay, great. So how do you measure success against these criteria? Are there any particular metrics that you utilize to, uh, to demonstrate marketing success to the board in these areas? Yeah. So when we, you know, when we meet the, with the board, it's obviously we have quarterly, but we also have monthly touch points with our board, which is great. Actually, I would, I would implore any marketer um, and any leader to, to get that that level of uh, focus, I think, um, from that. So we go through a couple of things. Obviously, you know, again, I'll start on the demand and the revenue side. You know, we're looking at, you know, how much qualified pipe do we have? You know, how much are we influencing that qualified pipe? Where is it coming in from a marketing source perspective um, overall? I tend to not worry about things like leads and MQLs and like all like that top line vanity stuff. That That's great for marketers. The board doesn't care. Right. They want to see, like, where is this, you know, actually coming out in the funnel itself? And then on the brand side, we look at a few things. So we obviously look at our brand surveys, which we put into market every few months. So we're seeing where we are versus our competitors, um, not only in terms of unaided awareness, but certainly aided awareness, because I think that that in B2B is certainly extremely important. We then look at kind of some of the leading indicators from brand, and that's the branded search impressions. So from a, you know, a B2B perspective, if, you know, seven months ago, I was getting X amount of people searching on Google for cyber reason, well, I want that to be X plus X in the next six months. Um, so we're looking at that all the time. Direct search traffic is a huge indicator for us. Um, we need to make sure that we're getting net new direct traffic to the website um, overall. And then we've really been looking at our influence in terms of our own content our branded content. Um, and this will, you know, this will play into, I'm sure some questions around, you know, wh where we're going with cookies and all that stuff. But the fact that, you know, you have to own your content now, and that content is a reflection of your brand. So for, I'll just give one example. Um, we have a podcast called Malicious Life that is ranked, you know, upwards towards the top 10 on Apple podcasts for technology. Like that type, and that's happened over the last two years because A, the podcast is amazing and B, we've put the brand behind that podcast, right? To be like, listen, if you don't want to go to our website, cool, but you might want to listen to this, you know, because this is unbelievable content for you if you're in a security profession. So we put that all together. Uh, we look at that month over month with the board um, and, you know, sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up, you know, you look, you got to look at those bubbles and those peaks and valleys and then kind of adjust to it. Uh, over, you know, and this has been going on at least at Cyber Reason, you know, for the last year or so as we rebranded the company. Okay, great. So it sounds like marketing's doing loads of great stuff. But where do you feel that the board don't quite appreciate the value that marketing can deliver? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I, you know, I think it's, I think oftentimes, and not this isn't, you know, this is a reflection of several boards that that I've been involved with. You know, I don't, know if they understand how effective marketing can be deeper in the funnel. So yes, we talk at top of funnel all the time, right? Like get that qualified pipe in, get those leads in, get the brand up, all of that kind of stuff. But if you look at that full funnel, especially within an ARR world and a subscription world, it's like, how are you influencing customers? How are you influencing churn? How are you influencing upsell and cross-sell? How are you, you know, creating customer advocacy models that really allow the customer to feel better? about the brand overall, because this is software. There's always going to be problems. Like you got to make sure that the, they felt they feel listened to. And I think sometimes a board will see those as separate places of, well, that's customer support. That's the customer service reps. That's that stuff. It's like, no, if you're in a growth marketing mindset, 
you're looking from that acquisition model all the way down the funnel um, from that. And so that's been a big shift for people, I think, on boards is understanding that the marketing team itself actually see, and by the way, product marketing, huge part in there too. Like they they help kind of push those those deals along and push the customers along from that. So it's been an education of, it's not just about leads and brand. Those are fun and those are exciting, sexy metrics, but like we got to look at churn. We got to look at customer satisfaction. We got to look at all that other stuff um, that really matters. Do you think then in that case that marketing should be leading the CX effort of, of the, the whole organization? Oh, that's, I would say no to the leading word. I, I would say that it has to influence it. So for example, you know, one of the models that we've built in the, my last two companies was a, a customer advocacy model. Um, and the, our ability to create an online and offline community of these customer advocates feeds into that CX team which lives in product, you know, is in that, but they are constantly kind of churning through all of our customers and making sure that they're actually testing that. And so marketing can support that and really make sure that we're tying back into that and that the customer then sees the changes that they asked for. Or if they don't see the changes, there's a reason why. And we can loop back with them. That's where I think marketing is really key uh, in that model. Okay, great. So just looking forwards then, what do you think your board will be interested in the future when it comes to marketing demonstrating success in your organization? Are there any key areas, initiatives, or KPIs that you know the board are going to be increasingly interested in? And, you yeah. know, why is this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, the simple answer is more, 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 right? There, like that will be, that, that is certainly all the KPIs I just talked about. Um, they're just, you know, we need to go up and to the right and continue that growth uh, from that perspective. I think that um, as we kind of move along um, and and become more mature in our marketing and, and our company, I think it will go back to that customer um, value. And I think it will go back to things like not just looking at churn rate, right? And all the ARR models that we build, um, but it's also usage, right? How much, how much is the product being used? How much do, now that you have amazing in- in-app or in-product communication modules, whether you're using something like Pendo or something else, like marketing needs to influence those things. How much, you know, are customers while they're in your product actually interacting with your brand? Like that's where I would hope if all of my other things are successful with the team that is, you know, being built here at CyberReason, they're going to start wondering, okay, what are we doing for our customers in the product? Because that is the frontier that we really have to like succeed in from a marketing perspective is, you know, great, you close the deal and it was marketing source and you got some attribution, some credit. That's awesome. But what happens after that? Like marketing can't forget about that customer. I want, I want to make sure they read that blog post that comes out because I, we saw in the product that they're dealing with something that would really help them with this piece of ransomware or this vulnerability from Microsoft, like whatever it is. Um, so that's where I'm hoping that we really start focusing on and we start figuring out what those KPIs are, because that is a new frontier. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And you know, do you have any plans that you're gonna put in place to make these areas successful? Yeah, so from that perspective, we are, you know, working with the product team much more closely now from a marketing perspective. I think you always have those traditional marketing and sales relationships and you always have marketing and support. Um, certainly marketing and our finance partners are always kind of close together. But marketing and that product team should not just be left to product marketing. 
Um, it also needs to be with our comms team. It needs to be with our customer advocacy and marketing team, et cetera. So one of the things that we've put into place is a direct connect with those folks to influence the messaging that's in the product itself. And that could be in the UX or it could be in, you know, in banner announcements. It could be in the way you even communicate to the customer when things are not going well. Like, they, come on, it's software, right? And this is cloud-based software. Like, things happen. And so you got to make sure that you have a great communications plan for that customer. So those are the things that we're really focused on uh, as we enter into Q4 of our year and into 2022. Okay, fantastic. So I want to bring things back a little bit now to something you, you touched on very briefly at the beginning of the podcast, which is about, uh, you know, cookie data and brands becoming <laughs> publishers. Um, obviously, this is like an increasing trend, um, particularly with the, the death of third-party cookies uh, in the next few years. Um, but, you know, and there's also a move towards B2B brands gathering more first-party data generally. So when it comes to your organization, what are you guys doing around this? Is it something you're actively involved in or are you seeing maybe a different situation? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, you know, and we all thought cookies were going to die just a few months ago, right? And now we have a couple years. Um, and so or we think, I don't know, we, who knows? But I think I, I don't worry about that part as much as I worry about, and this sounds so simplistic, but growing our database. Like, and, and we can call it first party data, we can call it whatever you want, um, but we need a direct connect with these customers. We need to gather those. And so one of the things that the team has really been focused on is we have a whole initiative right now about just growing our database and making sure that we're getting as many people in there as possible. Not to, of course, not to just like overtly market, um, but we need to you know, have that data. We need to understand who these people are. And that's where things like, I just mentioned the Malicious Life podcast, but we you know, we created a whole news network ourselves. Our comms team created this, you know, amazing set of, you know, networks, if you will, of video, audio, obviously blog, written research, et cetera, to make sure that people know that we're a place to go to where we're not going to sell to you. We're not going to overtly market to you. It's a place you can go even if you never buy from us. Um, but that type of information and that data can be extremely important to us because we need to make sure that we understand what people want what people are looking for, all those different types of things. And so I, I guess I, I think it's interesting because that's not so different than what we were talking about 10 years ago. Um, you know, it, it, I, people love to put new labels on these things and, you know, all that. But it's like we need more people to talk to um, from that perspective. So call it first party data, call it that I'm worried about cookies, you know, all that stuff. But it's like we got to achieve our objective of making sure that we're touching as many people as possible and providing them good content. Yeah. So the death third party <laughs> cookies is, um, it's incidental to your strategy. Your, your, your aim is to grow the database regardless of. Exactly. The, exactly. Okay, great. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So moving forwards then, you know, what trends, channels, tactics, and technologies are you seeing or working with um, and using to drive more success and contribution? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, when, when I think about what we're doing, obviously from a brand perspective, I'll start there and I'll work way, my way down. Um, you know, we've taken kind of a, a cue from some of the shifts we've seen, certainly in consumer behavior and done a lot more OTT advertising or over the top advertising so that we can really not only 
segment and target our customers while they're watching their streaming video on whatever platform it is, um, but also do con competitor conquests. So you can make sure now your ad shows up right after your top competitor. Um, that is a, a huge advantage for us. So that's a big one. And there's a lot of things in digital that I think are really helping with that. On that vein, I think getting better and more fine-tuned around paid search on brand terms, um, not just from a competitive standpoint, but certainly your own owned brand terms, that's where we focused a lot of time and our budget to make sure that, you know, of course, right, you want to own your brand terms, but you have so many different, you know, uh, just intersections of your brand um, that are being taken. So we have a research team, Cyberies and Nocturnus, like we never really thought about the paid search around there, but that's security research. People are looking for it all the time. This malicious life that I talked about, et cetera. We have products that kind of tie into our brand that we didn't always think about from a paid search perspective, but that we're really kind of thinking about now um, from that. The, the other thing that really has been extremely successful for us, and again, it's one of those like, oh, uh, you know, it's what's old is new again a little bit, but content syndication overall is a channel that, you know, we've optimized and it's a channel that I think allows us to kind of get to where we need to get from a lead gen perspective. The last thing I'll say in that is account-based marketing. And ABM, of course, has gone through a tremendous shift in the last 10 years, but then in the last 18, 19 months, you know, with COVID, like no one wants to get a weird package at their house from a B2B brand. Like that, that is just a, that's a little, you know, invasive. Um, and so we've really been working to look at our digital ABM and make sure that we are um, really kind of targeting those people in the appropriate way where they are. And that can involve social, that can involve other places. Um, but that's where I think our team has done an amazing job with the, the ABM to kind of pivot more into a digital world. And then which eventually leads to maybe a more physical marketing technique. But you can't just, you know, again, I don't want the door ringing. And I have, you know, and it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people who are listening to this, where some, you know, Mar Martech vendor found my home address and now I have another mug, you know, for my coffee. And I'm just like, eh, this feels a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it is a little odd, I have to admit. Right. But that, that yeah. nicely, um, nicely segments into the next question, which is all about set, you know, marketing's alignment with sales, because obviously that's a core part of what ABM is really about. Um, but often, you know, when we talk about sales enablement, it's this idea of marketing aligning with sales, you know, they're kind of creating collateral for sales, they're, they're creating templates <laughs> for sales, stuff like this. But, you know, a lot of time, I think maybe it should be a more equal relationship where both departments are very much on the same page, they, they have an equal footing, and they're both trying to help each other. You know, how important do you think that is, you know, for both departments to have a, an equal relationship? Yeah, I mean, of course, right, you have, you have to have you have to both be in it, right? So, you know, there's always this sentiment of, I mean, again, we've, we've at the very beginning, we have um, put out that I'm older than you, but we had an old, we had a saying when I was kind of coming up of like, you know, have you ever carried a bag? Meaning where you're a sales person, right? Did you, you have your briefcase and you're like, you went out and you sold stuff um, overall. And if you didn't carry that bag, you never, you could understand that, right? You just never could understand. And there's some semblance to that you know, there's some truth to that overall. Um, and I think marketers kind of disregarded that. I think there, in a lot of cases, marketers would roll their eyes 
you know, if like, oh, it's sales, like, you know, I did all the work, I got them the lead, I got them that, et cetera. They couldn't close it. And then on the other side, there's sales who doesn't, you know, they don't always understand what it takes to run that campaign, build all that stuff, you know, drive the budget, do the metrics, all of those um, different things. The key is when, when it happens is when a business says, all right, guys, well, here's your number, not a marketing number, not a sales number. It's your number. And so VP of sales, VP of marketing, you guys got to figure out how to do that. And you stop worrying about attribution from a, uh, a credit standpoint of like, well, I want credit. I'm going to get this amount of, you know, et cetera. And it's your fault that it didn't close. I gave you enough qualified pipe um, or the verse, like I don't get enough leads. I don't get enough at bats. I don't like all of those different types of things. It's more of like, who cares? We got to get the number like, and let's do it. And so one of the big things that, you know, as, as I've learned, I have an amazing partner um, in the sales role, John Sorensen, and like the two of us, you know, we know that it's ours. It's our number and we got to own it. And we inject healthy conflict between marketing and sales to make sure we're getting there. So there's no like credit necessarily, but there is some conflict there um, to figure out like, all right, how are we going to, is it more leads or is it better enablement for the salespeople? Is it, you know, better quality leads and, you know, we need a commercial in this city or region or whatnot, or is it, you know, our bundles aren't working as well as they could. And when you start looking at it that way and you bring sales and marketing kind of together, I think that's when you can see it really happen because marketers, if, if there's one thing like carry that bag, even if it's not yours, pick it up and carry that bag for your sales folks, right? It's not just about a glitzy event and leads, it is about closing and you can influence that no matter where you are in the marketing um, environment. Yeah, absolutely. Some good um, words of wisdom there. So looking forward, what do you think needs to change and how will that help you to demonstrate greater contribution from marketing to the board, would you say? Or as you, you just mentioned, is it a case of demonstrating greater contribution from marketing and sales at the same time? I think that's interesting. So one thing I'd love to see on my end, and some people you know, listening may have already achieved this. I've I've gotten close in my career at, at other companies. Um, we do need to figure out an attribution model that allows for that relationship that I just talked about, that allows us to see, again, not because I want to take credit for that deal. They went to our event in, you know, London, and then they did this and that, et cetera. And so it's marketing sourced. It's more of, I want to see how many touches did it take to get them to this part of the, the funnel? How many, you know, how many times do they have to go to the website and open an email and calls from the salespeople and a POC? And then they go back to the, like that whole, like you can call it W-shaped attribution, like whatever it is. I want to get to the point, And I, I think the board needs to, you know, ask these questions too of any B2B is like, how, how, what is that journey? It, you know, throughout. And then like, what are the hits when a customer is up for renewal? Are they starting to come back to the website? Because maybe they think they don't have a feature that's a competitor called and they have it. And like that type of information and data, like seeing that whole thing so that the sales rep and the marketing, you know, whoever is in charge of that part of the growth marketing engine is seeing those things. Of, you know what? Now might be a really good time to place a call because we saw this behavior um, overall and being able to present that in some way to the board in an attribution model that really shows, again, if it's a W shaped, it shows all of those touches. 
I don't worry about the percentage of like, well, it's 10% marketing and it's like, no, I just want all the touches. And I want to see what a customer is doing before they make decisions and after. Yeah, of course. And following on from this, I mean, chief revenue officers are something that's becoming an increasingly popular appointment in B2B organizations. They're not everywhere, but they are, they are on yep. the rise. You know, what do you think this is? And what value do you think they offer organizations? Yeah, so we have a chief um, revenue officer at um, Cyber Reason, Shai Horovitz. And I think, you know, in this organization in particular, I think what, what he kind of brings to it is that global perspective, right? So, you know, we can oftentimes, you know, in my colleague, you know, in your part of the world and, you know, me over here in America, we can get siloed sometimes. Um, and we don't, even though part of my world is global and I, I have to think about it, we can often kind of forget that, oh, wow, that deal over here that we've been going after, their subsidiary is actually in Germany and they have offices in Tokyo and we already sold to that office. And, you know, and I'm making it super simplistic, but it's like, that's where a CRO can come in and really look at all of the pieces of guys, you, you got to make sure you're talking to these folks over here and this area over here, you're talking to marketing in a different way. Like our doc reason is talking about to our marketing team in such a more effective way. I'm going to take that and I'm going to show that to our North American team um, and all of those different types of things. And I also think that the CRO, you know, can understand you know, all of the different elements we just talked about, about that customer life cycle, because they are kind of in that, you know, high level looking down um, and doing all those things. I, I think the the underlying question, I you know, I think, and I don't know if this is necessarily one of your questions, but it's like, should marketing be reporting into the CRO, right? Um, and that's the big debate that's happening right now. I, you know, and, and all due respect to my CRO, who I think is fantastic leader, and my CMO, who obviously is my boss and a fantastic leader. Um, I like that they're separate still. Because it does create that healthy friction, right? That you're going to battle together. And again, you have a number and you're all looking at that and you want to make your customers happy. Um, but I still like the separation of it. I know there's been a kind of push to eliminate the CMO role or put that underneath the, the CRO role. I would, you know, I've seen it in both cases. Um, when it's separate and it's healthy and people can, you know, kind of be honest with each other and have radical candor, you actually create a much more efficient engine, much more better go-to-market um, engine overall. Okay, fantastic. And I, I think we've got time just for one last question today, um, which is all around you know measuring the single view of the customer experience, which is something we talk about a lot in B2B marketing. I just wonder, you know, how at Cyber Reason are you measuring a single view of the customer experience and what are you doing to improve it? Yeah, it, it's, this is, you know, it goes back to that. It's almost that attribution. Like I, I want that single view of from the moment they first learn about us to five years later when they've used the product, you know, for five years and what we're doing for them um, overall. So I think right now, and I, I would guess that this is typical, you know, we have a lot of that data, but it's all in different places and it's definitely not tied together and it's super manual, you know, to figure that out. We've gotten really, really good at the top of funnel to figure out that experience um, overall. And I think we're good at figuring out when the customer becomes a customer and onboards into the product and all those things. And then I think again, in another silo, we have like a bunch of data of post deployment. 
where they're also interacting with marketing. Those things currently don't go together, right? We can't see the influences of that back, back to the, the comment around a W-shaped attribution model. We can't see that um, right now. And so that's, that's where, you know, going back to an earlier comment, that's where we're really trying to focus now is now that we're at the point where things are really healthy from the marketing and sales perspective, customers are really happy. Now we need to see them through and I need that single pane of glass. I, you know, I'd love if, if people have figured it out, like, you know, look me up on Twitter, like, let me know how you did it. That our team is really looking at that and trying to break those silos down so that data can kind of flow together. And I think we have a good plan to do it. And there's tools out there that can help us do that, certainly from a visualization standpoint and attribution standpoint. Um, but that's the big challenge. And I'm excited about facing that one as we move into into the next year, because it's we have got to make it happen. Um, going back to the cookie conversation, going back, like that's where our data lives. It's with our customers. Uh, and we want to make sure that we can see all of it. Carl, I think that's a great place to leave it. So thank you very much for joining me today. Um, thanks to our audience as well for, um, for listening. Always um, great to have as many listeners as possible. Um, if you want to listen to any more podcasts, please just head to www.b2bmarketing.net slash, uh, slash, slash podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> or you can, head to, uh, you can head to SoundCloud and listen to it there. So Kyle, thank you very much. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to learn more about the future of tech marketing and revenue performance, just check out the link in the description to download our full report, which is sponsored by Together.